The 2024 elections for the state legislature represent a new chapter in New York politics as candidates will be able to utilize taxpayer funds for some of their campaign expenses as part of a public campaign finance system designed to amplify the importance of small dollar contributions solicited within a candidate's district. For an update on the system, we're joined in the Capitol Press Room studio by Kathleen McGrath, the Director of Public Information for the State Board of Elections. Welcome to the show, Kathleen. Thank you, David. So for listeners who aren't familiar, can you broadly describe the public campaign finance system in terms of what contributions are amplified, how much they might be augmented with state dollars, and what it takes to actually qualify to be part of the system? Absolutely. This program went into effect on November 9, 2022, so the day after Election Day in 2022. And since then, candidates that are seeking the state assembly, the state senate, as well as the four statewide offices, governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general, and comptroller, have been able to register a new authorized candidate committee and start raising funds from in-district donors that could be matched with public dollars. And in terms of a match, how much are we talking here? Is it a one-to-one ratio or contributions amplified to a certain degree? Yeah, they are certainly amplified, and the ratio is different from the four statewide than from the state legislative. Since this is a legislative year, focusing on that, it's a sliding scale where the first $50 of a contributor's contribution is matched at a 12 to 1 ratio. The next 100 is matched at a 9 to 1 ratio, and the next 100 at an 8 to 1 ratio. So to give the terminal example of if a contributor gave $250, an in-district donor, that would be matched with 2300 public matching dollars, so that 250 becomes 2550 And if I gave $251 to a candidate that represented my area, would the first $250 be open to a match and that $1 wouldn't? Or have I just disqualified myself from getting uh, that state boost? That's the disqualification. You are correct in that. So 250 is really the magic number. If you seek to have your contributor's donation matched, the most they can give to you in the aggregate for the whole election cycle is 250 And in terms of candidates who are able to have their contributions matched, is this anyone who's running for office or do you have to collect a certain amount of uh, contributions or or demonstrate your seriousness as a candidate in other ways? Yeah, there are eligibility thresholds. Number one, you have to be running for one of those covered offices. You do have to register a new uh, committee with the PCFB. And then you have to hit fundraising thresholds, both in number of industry contributors and amount of money raised. And the number of contributors and the amount of money raised does vary by the office. So in essence, the bigger the office, the higher the threshold. You have to agree to adhere by contribution limits, attend mandatory trainings. You actually have to qualify to get on the ballot and then do all sorts of disclosures to the PCFB, agree to limit your personal funds spent on the race, and some other record-keeping and audit requirements. Well, in terms of participation to date, how many state legislative candidates, whether it's challengers or, or incumbents, have signed up as we speak on Valentine's Day. Yeah. So this number is changing kind of by the moment because the deadline to get into the program for the 2024 elections is coming up fast on February 26th. It's four months before the primary. And as of right now, this morning when I checked, about 230-ish registered committees with the program. About 80% of those have also certified to be in the program. Uh, Those are Senate and Assembly 
for the most part, and then we do have one statewide. The comptroller is in the program already. And so there are 150 assembly seats. There's 63 Senate seats. That adds up to 213. Theoretically, if you've got one-on-one -on -one matchups in every race, which you don't see, we're talking in excess uh, of 400 candidates at this point. Have you gotten a sense either from interest that's been expressed to the State Board of Elections or elsewhere whether we might actually see candidates in every single race who are taking advantage of the system? It's certainly possible, especially when you factor in the different parties' primaries. Mm -hmm. um, so we have seen a bunch of challengers as well as incumbents. They're both engaging in the program in ways to take advantage of the amplification of contributions. And I do expect, even though it's 230-ish right now, I expect that we were at just 200 on the first, so it's gone from 200 to 230 uh, in just two weeks' time. And in the next uh, 12 days before the cutoff, I anticipate that getting even larger. Have any trends emerged in terms of who's participating? For example, do you give a sense of whether Democrats are vying for this more than Republicans or challengers more than incumbents? Or is the Assembly representing a disproportionate number compared to the Senate? Is anything stand out uh, like that? Not so much. It's really been quite the cross-section in both, um, both the Assembly and the Senate, challengers and incumbents, Republicans and Democrats. Um, basically, everyone's getting in. And we are right now about four months from the scheduled primaries for state legislative office. So when do the public campaign dollars actually start flowing from the state into campaign coffers? Well, the short answer is in May. May 13th is the first scheduled payment date. And that allows folks that get into the program to hit those fundraising thresholds to um, to be qualified to receive those public matching funds. It also is after the ballot access process because one of the requirements is you have to have qualified to be on the ballot in order to get the public fund payments. And will the dollar amounts just randomly appear in somebody's campaign account on that day? Or are there more hoops to jump through? Not hoops, but there are processes in place. Uh, we are working with the comptroller's office. These committees get their payments through SFS. Uh, so once payment is authorized, uh, we the PCFB has auditors that are verifying the validity of the match claims that it is an in-district donor, that they haven't given over 250 in the aggregate. They also can't be lobbyists, campaign vendors, or minors. So once those are all those boxes are checked and the payment is approved by PCFB staff, then it's the comptroller's office that'll be issuing the funds. Well, I want to talk about that implementation process, but first let me reintroduce you for listeners uh, just joining us. We're speaking with Kathleen McGrath, the Director of Public Information for the State Board of Elections, and we're talking about the state's public campaign finance system. The work you were just outlining of ensuring compliance with all the rules and regulations, who is that done by? Is that solely under the purview of the Public Campaign Finance Board? Are other enforcement officials with the State Board of Elections helping with this? Is the Comptroller's Office involved? Who's keeping an eye on all of it? So the PCFB, the Public Campaign Finance Board, is in essence a board within the board. It's within the State Board of Elections, but it is its own unit in that regard. Right now, there's about 55 people on staff of the PCFB um, alone, and it's ramping up to probably about 70 by year's end. They're ramping up incrementally. That includes uh, management folks, auditors, candidate liaisons, trainers, payment analysts, and its own enforcement unit. And does the unit, does the Public Campaign Finance Board more broadly have all the resources it needs to implement this program? Do you need in excess of 55 people? Would you rather have 
double that, for example? Well, it's a new program, so we're figuring that out. But the governor's budget proposal this year did uh, have an allocation of $14.5 million, which would include uh, just over 8 for staff and just over $6 million for uh, software procurement uh, for the program, and then $100 million for the public funds payouts allocated. So uh, it's, it's in the budget proposal in a good place, and uh, we're ramping up as we go. Have you guys begun to do the math to figure out whether $100 million for matching contributions will cut it for this year? There's a lot of math involved, yes. A lot of of the auditors are doing a lot of math to make that and make their estimates um, accordingly, and we feel good about it. So you don't think we're going to run out of money for for this uh, program? I do not. And let's say we're wrong. Let's say people end up really digging into their pockets and participation in this program is through the roof. What happens if there is more than $100 million worth of demand? Is it just a first come, first serve? Does the state have to dig back into its pockets statutorily? What happens? Yeah, I think there would be a a statutory revisit at that point. Um, Since these are our best estimates for a brand new program, there are also um, reallocations in the coming years since right now we just have the legislative seats up and then we have the four statewides coming in 2026. In terms of the campaigns that are navigating this for the first time, what sort of guidance is there for them, and I guess more specifically, uh, their campaign treasurers? Absolutely. We are certainly recommending that candidates utilize a professional treasurer, someone who really uh, knows the ins and outs of the program. Uh, Part of the requirements of receiving the public matching funds is attending mandatory training, both the treasurers and the candidates, before they get funds paid out. So it's really important that they are engaged in that way and working consistently to make sure they're meeting all of their disclosure requirements. And those candidate liaisons on staff, too, are in constant communication to help them through the program. So just to come back to something you mentioned, candidates for office, so potentially incumbent state lawmakers are sitting through some sort of training. What's the training consist of? Is it in person? Is it remote? Um, The state board in general and the PCFB has has moved largely to a virtual training methodology ever since COVID, and that seems to work well. So candidates are, you know, doing a WebEx training to make sure they understand what they've signed up for and the requirements to make sure that they receive those public matching funds and spend them in ways that are permissible. One of the critiques of the public financing system in New York City is that there's sort of a gotcha element to it or that uh, candidates don't really understand how to navigate the process. And we often see years later, some of them getting hit with fines and issues like that. How do you avoid those pitfalls? Well, certainly that's something we want to avoid, any sort of pitfalls. We don't want any gotcha moments. Um, so I think that part of the, the buildup with those candidate liaisons and those auditors that are working hand-in-hand with the committee treasurers, I think that's a really important part of that. Um, so far, with filings, the required disclosure reports, we've had 100% compliance for submitted filings. So, And that would include both the uh, July periodic last summer as well as the January January periodic that was due just last month. And so the staff is working right along with them to make sure that they're fulfilling their obligations and what gets submitted in a timely way. And with the board reviewing people's contributions uh, before they end up sending out the state matching funds, do you anticipate that there won't be subsequent follow-up because there's already been some initial vetting? Or should candidates expect, say, after an election, that there will be a closer look or an interrogation of uh, the money that they brought in and spent? 
while there is part of the program is a post-election audit, some of candidates based on how much they have received in public matching funds are automatically audited, including all the statewide folks, as well as any other candidates in that race. And anyone for state legislative office that's received over $500,000 in public matching funds is automatically audited. For everyone else under that threshold, it would go into a lottery audit in which no more than a third of the districts are chosen. And a district is chosen, so any candidate running in that district would be uh, subject to that post-election audit. A separate elections enforcement unit within the State Board of Elections had been criticized in the past for sometimes ignoring what might be described as rinky-dink uh, violations and instead pursuing what they felt were bigger, more important ones. That same dynamic could exist within this board. So how will it prioritize its resources? Should it be looking at, say, just ordinary filing mistakes or issues like that, which might be uh, an indicator of other problems? Or should they be going after what they see as the bigger whales, so to speak? Well, I think the PCFB enforcement unit that's internal to PCFB wants to work with folks along the way and make sure they're properly trained, help them fix errors that do occur so they don't snowball into bigger problems. Um, And they'll work with those committees um, right along the way to, to fix those issues and make sure they're abiding by the requirements of the program. Well, that is everything we have for you. We've been speaking with Kathleen McGrath. They are the Director of Public Information for the State Board of Elections. Kathleen, thank you so much for visiting us, and good luck this election year. All right. Thanks so much, David. Thanks for having me. Support for the Capitol Press Room is provided by New York State United Teachers, a statewide union of nearly 700,000 professionals in education and healthcare.